Real quick, I gotta let you in on a testing secret. With regulations and breaches on the rise, production data is no longer safe or legal for developers to use. And creating test data in-house is a complex chore that eats away valuable time. That's where Tonic comes in. They make it possible to create a true mirror of production by safely and realistically mimicking production data. So you can work on real product and steer clear of surprises at release time. Learn more at tonic.ai slash code story. The primary driver for the approach we took in starting our business was, okay, we're in a horrible financial global economic state. What can we do to minimize risk for our initial investors, which were just the co-founders? It was starting it as a services business rather than starting with Let's go gas and develop an MVP. Let's just go ahead and generate some revenue, get some customers on board. We probably uh, got a little too comfortable <laughs> and maybe complacent with the services business. And we finally had enough customers under our belt where we felt the product that we pivoted the business around, we had enough of a customer base that we could go in and upsell that. I am Alfredo Ramirez, co-founder and CEO at Biopta. This is Code Story. A podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Took six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. Took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Lapark, And today, how Alfredo Ramirez is giving you a way to digitally collaborate across geography, empowering hybrid work. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Alfredo Ramirez is the son of Ecuadorian immigrants, which instilled in him positive beliefs around faith, family, community, and hard work. Way back, his father bought him an Apple II computer, which started him on his software development journey. But outside of tech, he's married with kids and loves spending time outdoors, hiking, water sports, snow skiing, and shooting trap. All of these things allow him to relax, recharge, and clear his head. Fifteen years ago, Alfredo and his co-founders started their current venture during the 2008 financial crisis. After relying on the services side of their business, they headed towards building a single platform around digital collaboration, one that is reliable, a better user experience, and the analytics to go with it. This is the creation story of Viopta. We're all about making collaboration work from anywhere. 
We started Biopta right in the midst of the financial crisis of 2007-2008. Back then, the solution was to develop uh, custom software that would integrate live synchronous video into specific business functions. So rather than developing an MVP and going out to raise money, we decided to start a, a services business where we're developing custom applications. And so we were developing software that integrated live video into customer services functions, to court hearings, distance education, and many others. Which then led us to about 2014 and 15, we started getting a lot more demand around the intelligence and the analytics and monitoring that we had. To augment that, a lot of large enterprises were beginning to invest more heavily in, let's say, video conferencing, but they also needed that capability for their voice environment. So we pivoted the business in 2000 and 2016, and we went from nearly zero recurring revenue on that product to uh, over a million. And then the, the rest is history. We've been focusing on what we refer today as now collaboration intelligence. But originally it was around, the, the solution was around how to enable enterprises to deliver greater reliability and a better user experience when using live collaboration technologies like video and audio to make sure their people could have better meetings especially those in, in other geographies, and then also making that available for sales and services and other functions. Let's dive into the MVP. So that first version of the product or the company, and, and tell me about you know how long it took to, to build or to get to a stable point and what you used to bring it to life. With Biopta, we probably went the, the prototypical startup building an MVP. Our MVP was the applications that we developed. Initially, they were custom applications. So based on, we're getting a lot of demand for this one specific type of application. We decided to, to we made a decision at that point that said, hey, this is a, a product that we feel has market demand. The product fit meets that demand almost. And if we add these capabilities based on current customer requests, we should look at pivoting the business and going all in on that product. Since then, whenever we release anything major, we do always now adopt an MVP approach to the delivery. And so we're delivering some capabilities every two weeks today in our cloud platform. And if there's anything major, we try to make sure that we break up that work to smallest pieces that we can to get it out in every two, worst case, maybe six weeks. In that process, in creating that process where you're you're going from one way to the faster shipping of code, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about how you approach that, right? And I'm curious about those things, you know, curious about those trade-offs and decisions that you had to make and, and how you coped with those decisions. The primary driver for the approach we took in starting our business was, okay, we're in a horrible financial global economic state. What can we do to minimize risk for our initial investors, which were just the co-founders? So it was starting it as a services business rather than starting with let's go gas and develop an MVP. Let's just go ahead and generate some revenue, get some customers on board. That approach took us a little longer just because we were starting to generate revenue. And we probably uh, got a little too comfortable <laughs> and maybe complacent with the services business. 
but we would revisit, okay, what do we want to do every year? And we finally had enough customers under our belt where we felt pretty confident that the product that we ended up developing, that we pivoted the business around, which we referred to as uh, Unified Communications Performance Management back in 2015, that we had enough of a customer base that we could go in and upsell that. And, and that's what we proved out in 2015, which led us to do a Series A in 2016 and a follow-on in 2019. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. Let's, let's go from the Series A point. You've got your product in a stable place. You're happy with it. You raised money off of it. You're getting some traction. How have you progressed it from, from that point and matured it? I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how you went about building your roadmap and how you decided, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Viopta. Before we raised our Series A, we had to put together a roadmap I'd call it the concentric circle model. What we have core today, and then what are the concentric circle capabilities that address the problem that we're trying to solve that still is meeting our mission and purpose uh, as a business. And so we had to find that. And so the first pin or the first circle was around providing the capabilities to ensure that live video Synchronous communication was reliable in delivering the best experience for those that participated in video conferences or telepresence. And then from there, we expanded to voice and just and then continue to expand the capabilities beyond that. Today, we've expanded beyond 
just video and voice and one platform uh, back in 2015 through 2019. We primarily focused on the Cisco Unified Collaboration Management install base. They were the leader in that market. There were you know, practically 75% of Global 2000 large government agencies were using that UC platform. And so we focused on that. As of 2020, during the pandemic, which you and maybe uh, many of the folks uh, that listen to your podcast may have seen the aggressive increase in market share of Microsoft Teams and Zoom, and at least in the enterprise space, Cisco unfortunately lost a lot of market share. And so we had to adjust our go-to-market, adjust our roadmap to accelerate increasing our coverage of other systems. The other part of what we experienced and and was an investment that we decided to make in 2019 was to rebuild the platform that we had built early on to support different modules, even to support the application that we uh, pivoted to. As you can appreciate, uh, a technology that company's age is somewhat similar to a dog's age. Every year is like many years. And so I think we had pretty much ended the life of that prior platform. So we migrated to a modern microservices, big data lake architecture to support the scale and cost, but also scale, security, and extensibility needs that we needed to support our current customers as well as new as we brought them on. My next question is more about team. So, so tell me about how you built your team and, and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? Initially, it, it was a lot easier to pursue people that you worked with. But I'd say that the key attributes of people that we look for are those who have at least some experience in a startup environment. It's at times hard to find those people. But whether they have a start experience, startup experience or not, you need people that can actually operate in, a, in an environment where things change. The market customer demands are continually changing. There's less certainty. You can't execute on a full year plan with the same exact goals up front. I think you can have high level goals, but the details plans may change along the way. And so you need people that can adjust and adapt to that. We had made some mistakes with some folks that we hired as leaders on our team. We still need people, even if you're leading a team, to still get in the trenches with your team. And it's even more important these days with remote work to be engaged, not just learn about what they're doing, but really be deep somewhat in the trenches with your teams to better understand what they're going through and be able to help drive the ship forward. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso is lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech/codestory and get started today. That's t u r s o.tech/codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. 
If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Let's dive into scale then. And you mentioned, you know, switching technologies and going to more of a microservices uh, approach. But tell me the story there. Was was this built with scale in the beginning with scale in mind? Or was that the pivotal point where you had to move towards more scalability? Kind of the pivotal point where you had to fight it as you were growing and changing. You could say we've built it based on scale. It's a, it was a, a .NET SQL Server-based architecture early on. And so it was easy to start off and build applications on that Microsoft-based architecture. When we decided to rebuild that platform, scale for us means a, a few things. One is the prior architecture didn't scale in cost, and it didn't also scale effectively for delivering a a multi-tenant cloud solution. Alfredo, as you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I'm going to go with what we recently released and have won a number of awards around. So we have developed an algorithmic score that leverages the data we collect from different collaboration technologies or communication streams that we refer to as the user experience score around collaboration. And so this makes or this allows large IT teams to begin quantifying the service they're providing to their customers, which could be the internal users of these technologies to communicate internally and with ex- externally with customers and partners that they can start measuring themselves around this user experience score versus service levels. And I think it's more important to focus on the user, you and I, versus just, hey, is the technology just up and running? Your laptop may be up and running, but you may be still having a horrible experience. And so we help expose where those issues are, but we also help quantify as a new scoring method or report card method of how organizations are doing on on that goal. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. So we've made lots of mistakes. I think the most important takeaway is fail fast and and move on. One was from a go-to-market standpoint. We always sold direct until we pivoted the business and we started leveraging channel partners, integrator resellers. And at some point a few years ago, we became too comfortable when some of the larger ones came to the table. And the one thing I'd say is relying too much on a partner to sell for you at a large enterprise when they haven't been trained, certified, or made the investment to be competent in selling your solution. No one's going to sell your solution better than you unless you have a partner who's committed like you to understand it. And we had a, a number of deals that weren't sell well as the environment changed from 2019 to the start of the pandemic. It was hard to salvage those. And there were big organizations, so we had a big black eye. Since then, 
We have gone back to our roots. You know, if we're going to leverage partners, it's a smaller set. Shouldn't be shy about, even with big distribution partners, to really drive the need for them to invest in developing the competency to sell your solution. The second one is we had been already delivering cloud solutions since we started uh, Biopta, even in the previous chapter of before we pivoted the business to what we do today. Pre-pandemic or in the 2018-2019 timeframe, there were some really large customers that just didn't want to hear about cloud. And uh, we made the decision to deploy those solutions on-premise, our, our cloud solution on-premise. Over time, that became two source code bases, which is not good for speed and advancing your products when you have to maintain two different source code bases. The lesson learned there, we unplugged that on-prem source code base last year, and they're now accelerating at a much faster rate. We're seeing the fruits of that. We've been able to double quarter over quarter our new and expand annual recurring revenue because we can have much more focus on one code base. Alfredo, this will be fun. Tell me what the future looks like for the product and for your team. The, the future is bright. Live synchronous video communication, or what most people would refer to now as Zoom, <laughs> it's become the Kleenex of the industry, is pervasively used. Now, at Microsoft Teams is really the dominant communication collaboration platform in the enterprise space. So what we're offering now has been and continues, but in a much more pervasive opportunity, mission critical to help organizations really make that user experience best in class to deliver mission critical services virtually. Sales, customer services, telehealth services, anything else, education, and so forth. And we have the tools to really enable organizations to deliver this best-in-class experience 75% and 75% less time. And so our three primary value props with Biopta is around enabling our customers to save up to 75% and managing assuring quality collaboration user experience, as well as helping them optimize their spend or investments in space for collaborative space and technology. Been able to help a number of our customers. Pre-pandemic, at the start of it, we released a module that we referred to as Space Insights. It was shelved during the pandemic while everyone was working from home, but it's uh, been selling very well. That helps provide the on how to, on what space is really needed versus not for collaborative meetings. And, uh, and then we've got User Insights, which is we've been testing all the capabilities out uh, and we're about to launch it later this year. Okay, Alfredo, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. My mother was a great influence on me, or had a big influence on me early on. And a large part, she was a very goal-oriented woman. And she always professed the importance of learning. Because it's one thing that you can't lose is that knowledge that, that you get, that, that you accumulate over time, that you can make use for the best interests of your family, your community, your business teams, and so forth. So that was a, one thing I really I, I give her incredible credit. My current board members are uh, really great. Current operators and, C, and have been CEOs of their respective companies. And uh, I, I read a lot about folks, whether it be Elon Musk or... 
and others to learn from the things that they're doing that allows them to grow their business, their respective businesses, and, and to overcome whatever specific challenges are coming over that they're overcoming as well. So try to learn from others as much as possible. So we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? It doesn't have to be a mistake or something that went wrong. could have worked even well, but maybe you tweak it a little bit. We could have probably done our pivot much sooner in our company life cycle instead of waiting as long as we did. I think I mentioned that earlier. We probably got too comfortable generating revenue off of the custom applications that we were developing for enterprises. I'd say if we could have pivoted sooner, we could have been much further along rather than waiting an additional five years because we started in 2007, late 2007, early 2008. We could have already been moving ahead in what we're doing today back in 2010. Alfredo, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? First of all, it's great to love the solution. Don't fall in love so much with it from the standpoint of just make sure that you continue to learn what customers want, need more importantly, and are willing to pay you for it. That initial solution may actually change significantly over time. Don't get so wrapped around your vision of the, you know, of the solution just make sure that your purpose and mission is the most important to, to, to stay true to. The solution itself is going to change over time. Your customer demands, market demands, competitive environment is going to be changing. And you have to be willing to make a lot of changes. And more importantly, be ready to work a lot. It's not easy. I can't think of anyone who's ever claimed that starting a business was going to be easy. So be ready to be all in it more than 100% of your time, <laughs> whatever you thought it was going to take. Third, fail fast. It's easier said than done, but that's really important. And then finally, you got to love what you're doing. If you don't love it, don't do it or find an exit as quickly as possible because it, it only sets you up for failure. All great pieces of advice. I appreciate that, Alfredo. Well, thank you for being on the show today and thank you for telling the creation story of Viopta. Thank you, Noah, for uh, providing me the, the platform to share that. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Coat Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.